You are listening to the Boise Dev Podcast. So joining us on the Boise Dev Podcast again is Dr. Tommy Alquist, and uh, he's he's the second person to join us twice. Uh, Margaret Carmel got the honors uh, as the first two-time guest, so you're in good company. I am in good company. She does a great job. She does. So uh, I wanted to have you back. You launched this initiative called Crush the Curve Idaho yesterday. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I, I just think there's a lot of business owners, CEOs, uh, all, all types, big, medium, small businesses that are just frustrated with what can we be doing? We're sitting at home, we're watching things just roll on and there was really not a pathway to getting back to work. And it was one of my frustrations. And I've got a couple of friends down in Utah that uh, that were part of an initiative there. And I saw it on Thursday night and I it was like, it was like a spark, Don, like, oh my gosh, we can do this. And I, I knew I knew immediately, like instantaneously, that we had the talent around us, like in our company and in our relationships, and we had the relationships around the state to put this thing together quickly. And so I called Courtney Lydiard, my partner, just said, let's go. And he immediately... Uh, he immediately said, "Hey, I'm in. Let's let's do it." And within within literally minutes, we had launched a kind of a, a, a plan, and uh, really worked nonstop around the clock since then. Uh, Troy McLean's been incredible on Tavuti's side. Uh, his team uh, did not sleep, literally uh, building the website database and getting it going. There's a lot to it, as you know. Plus, it was coordination with all the sites around the state. There was making sure we had enough equipment, making sure we had enough tests. So it's been a it's been a, a crazy few days, but very rewarding, and I'm excited about it. So I'll I'll just disclose that uh, uh, Seltzer Medical, which uh, BVA owns, is uh, underwriting some of our COVID coverage uh, on Boise Dev. But um, hopefully, people know I'm pretty independent, regardless. So I want to ask you some questions here, and yeah. and you know I've seen some of the other media coverage and read the news release, and it it left some questions in my head about just kind of how this is happening. Can you can you sort of um, Tell us, yeah. where are these tests coming from? We're hearing about such a scarcity of tests, and then all of a sudden you come along and you're like, we've got a 1,000 a day. Where is it coming from, yeah. and is it impacting others' capacity? How's that working? Yeah, so it's not. Um, so uh, I, if I get a chance, and I haven't really had a chance like with someone like you to kind of just get into the nitty-gritty, so I will. Um, one of the things that I've always heard, too, we just can't <laughs> test everyone. I think, I think I like, everyone I – like Every single person in that's that's that, that's intelligent and understands what we're going through is saying, "Why aren't we testing people?" So we we've all asked the question. It's not we're not unique in that. Um, what was unique, Don, is the, the very first calls I started asking, and and I wish there's a there's there in my notebook. I'll keep it forever. There was a I called Spencer Cox, who's the lieutenant governor down in Utah and talk to him and he was super helpful and he kind of outlined what they did and pretty much everything he said was true. So if you're a traditional lab, right? So if you're a traditional health, so let me just use Salter as an example. Quest is our lab. When Quest is the lab expert tells us there are no more tests in America, we can't run anymore. We have a capacity that's this big and we're the experts and we're your lab. What, what most of us do is say, oh man, that's horrible. And you're hearing that from everyone else. But when I got on the phone with them, they said, listen, you just need to start making calls because there are labs out there that still have capacities that have PCR capacity that are willing to jump in and help you. But they're not the traditional labs that people are usually connected with. And they said, as soon as you start going through traditional labs uh, with healthcare systems and with others, they'll tell you there's no tests. The second you go outside of that. Now, these are all FDA labs. These are all qualified labs. They're just labs that had available capacity. So immediately got on the phone. Uh, I would tell you probably within about 10 hours, 
I, I had secured enough labs, enough tests for us to know that we had we could do this, and it's been amazing. Those relationships have developed, and then once you, when you you can imagine once you get into those sectors of the market, you say, "Hey, I need swab kits. I need this. I need that. I need this." They're like, "Okay, here's who you call. Here's who you call." And I've been just cold calling people. I mean, I've cold called a, a notebook full of people, introduced myself, and said, "Can you help us?" And they've all been very helpful. So we so let me just quickly so we secured the labs. That was the first thing because can we can we run the test? The second thing was okay, we can run the test. How are we going to do this, right? We already know we have a network of kind of people doing tests here, but what around around the state? So I started making calls to friends that I have that are CEOs of, of hospitals, um, civic leaders, Department of Health around the state, saying, "Hey, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What could we do to help you?" And that pretty quickly they said, "Hey, if you can figure this out, we would love to be part of something like this." So the coalition came together quickly. Um, the group of CEOs was awesome because um, you had really, really smart people that know how to run business and move at the speed of business and getting them on the phone and saying, hey, how do you want to help? We, we divided into seven subcommittees immediately, like immediately, like the, the next morning we were divided and we were conquering and uh, and then working around the clock and pulled it together. So how does this differ from a test that somebody might get at one of the traditional health systems right now i'm hearing that there's long lead times nine and ten days lead time and you're saying this is going to turn around at two is there a difference in the test and nope. what is that the only difference in the test is that they've got a backlog of thousands of tests that the traditional labs they're using and so you're in line that's the only difference it's the exact same test it's not a different test it's a different lab so these are all fda approved labs with the same exact machinery that just had capacity versus a Quest lab or another lab. I'm not picking on Quest. I'm just saying a lab that has sure. 65, 70,000 samples in front of you with the capacity. And I can go deep with you if you want to into the to the science behind these labs, but there's the problem with the science is doing the RNA extraction. And there's actually some awesome things happening. I've, I've got a machine secured for me in Minnesota right now that allows you to do extractions of that RNA very quickly and do 96 at a time. So there's a lot of technology coming up quickly, but but it's the same stuff. We're not doing anything outside of, uh, I, I had someone from the health department call me and, and I, I've been fielding all these calls saying, you can't do this, can't do what? Well, you can't go do, you, know, you can't use tests from someone's, you know, in their they're doing in their closet or their garage and trying to make that sound like that that's a test it's not that at all these are traditional labs same exact equipment um, just done in a different manner Uh, in fact spencer cox told me the very first time i called him if you have to have five or six or seven non-traditional meaning traditional through the health system labs that have capacity to help you and that's what we've set up is a network of those so, I mean, are these labs that have like CMS certification or yes, is there, 100%. Okay, so, so they're all, the, so they're all kind of the same. You're, you're promising, you know, 7,000 tests a week, which is a lot when you look and I'm just pulling up the, the state of Idaho's latest testing numbers and, and, you know, they've, they've done not a ton and they're trying to compile both the, um, the labs, you know, they, they say they've tested 11,891 as of yesterday and that's over six, seven, eight weeks. And so you're saying you're going to do 7,000 in a week. Yeah, we can do more than that. I kept it. I kept it low. I mean, this is one of those times where you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. We we can do more than that. We have capacity to do 2,500 a day through the sources we have. What we had to do is wire money out to 
to hold our spot in line and so that we make sure that we have access to those tests but we could we can do more than that but there's the other part of it right don it's not just running the test now what is the process to get people qualified into a testing center get the test run so so that's you know listen if if we on a pri- the private sector through another method cannot not mess with the traditional ones going on and add seven to fourteen thousand tests a week to our database in Idaho to actually know what the heck's going on, that is a very good thing. Uh, in fact, I'm just waiting for someone to shoot a hole in in this thing. Why this isn't a good thing? It's traditional labs. They're completely and, and all we're doing is testing people that have been begging for it. Can you imagine? Let me just ask you this. Here we are sitting at home, businesses shutting down, the economy going in the tank, people frustrated, and we're not even testing our frontline workers who are spreading the virus right now. <laughs> so, so Stan, some of your partners have, have had cases, Jackson's Food Stores, Albertsons, some others. The, the online information is telling people, hey, you know what, if you've got a severe case, you should go to your traditional medical provider. But the thing that strikes me is if I've got an urgent case, let's say I'm running a fever and I've got bad symptoms and I'm like, okay, well, I'll call my, my primary care doc at St. Luke's or St. Al's or at, at primary health or wherever that may be, I'm going to have to wait 10 days for a test. But this is a faster testing mechanism. But it's, oh, I mean, can you help square yeah. that up? Yeah, and, and we'll still take them. I mean, I listen, I tried to be careful here so we didn't act like we were stepping on anyone's shoes, right? I mean, I, I, this is um, – I've used this analogy a lot just because I think it's a really good analogy and puts it right in front of people. And there are a lot of egos in the world. And there are times in life where you can have an ego and there's times in life where you just need to take your ego and put it in the back and do what's right. And one of those times is when a patient rolls through the door in the ER. And I've watched really, really bad doctors who have egos not listen to their listen to their team, their respiratory therapist, their nurse. I mean, you got a patient dying and hemorrhaging and you're saying, I know it, I, I, I know everything. And I've, and I've seen other ones, which are most of the ones I worked with, that it, but in with the team approach, who gets the, it doesn't matter. Let's go save the patient. And that's the approach we're taking. So we're trying not to step on traditional uh, routes for testing. We're trying, we're being very collaborative with the hospitals. We have great hospitals. We're trying to be collaborative with the state. We're trying to do everything we can, but we're just saying, what is a role we can do that doesn't step on that? So Don, we can still test people that are what you just described. But what we're also looking for is is the convenience store working worker for Corey Jackson that has maybe not maybe they already went through a drive through and got turned away, but they've got a cough or they've got symptoms that are keeping them out of work, and they need to know if they have it or not. If, so your the, threshold your threshold is is a lower testing threshold than than the drive through testing sites right now, which are generally well, testing people who are. Well, think fair? about think think about this. If you don't have tests, you're going to be stricter with your test, right? I mean, that, that's just right. the way it is. So if you look at our website, it'll say, are you in one of these service industries? If the answer is yes, then the next question is, do you have any of the following? Have you been exposed to a patient with, is there possible exposure to a patient with COVID-19? And then the list of symptoms. So we're asking the same thing. It's just, we're, we're being way more generous with saying, hey, we've got the test six year. What, 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 what on God's green earth does it help us as a state or a society to hold tests in reserve that could be used to find out where we're at on this curve. Now, I do understand. I mean, if I'm running a hospital or I'm running somewhere that's taking care of critical patients, you need to keep a stockpile of tests to make sure you can test the sickest. That is that is off. That that is completely off limits. Not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if we have capacity, which we do, 
why wouldn't we open that up and find out what's going on? Uh, you know, Corey Jackson's a great example. I mean, he's got these convenience stores everywhere and he's got a percentage of his workforce that's just, you know, exposed every day and a percentage of his, work, of his workforce staying home because they might have been exposed. Answer the question. He already has, by the way, he's already used the same process and we've been testing uh, lots of his employees that, that needed this. And we're going to do the same for first responders, for doctors, for grocery store workers. And we're, there's a lot going on, Don. I can tell you, if you wanted to dig into it, maybe it's another time, on, on the science behind PCR testing and what we have available to us in Idaho and what's coming quickly through non-traditional channels. And when I say non-traditional, I'm talking about the, the tests are traditional, but the, but the new technology to try to get the, the, the RNA extraction process to catch up with the PCR process, we're going to do that in Idaho. And then I, I don't want to – I mean, there is a possibility we could be doing thousands of tests a day. So what if, so what if you've got a case of somebody who, um, and I'll just, I'll just kind of admit something here. I, I was in Sun Valley right kind of just before the threshold that they said, Hey, if you've been here, you need to quarantine like right before that threshold. Um, and, and I got sick, I got sick on my birthday and some of the symptoms matched, some of them didn't, I'd already had the flu this winter. So, uh, you know, and in the back of my head, I'm like, ah, I wonder, you know, and I don't know, and it doesn't matter now I'm healthy and fine. But I wonder because did I have it? Will there well, be? So, I noticed in some of the materials there was an antibody mentioned. Yes, Will that be something yes. coming down the, the pike? Is that something you're working on too? Yeah, and Don, I mean, the odds are you had and it. So let's explain what an antibody test because I, I don't think I yeah. explained it well. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, if, if I've had it or think I've had it, and I'm not using myself as an example to talk about me, but if other people are like, oh, maybe, what could they, yeah. at some yeah. point, they'd be able to take an antibody yeah. test through this? Yeah. So, so yesterday, yesterday I ordered 100,000 antibody tests for us to use through the same program because it is step two, right? So what happens is in your body, when you're exposed to a virus, so bacteria stays outside your cells, viruses get inside. So the only way to kill a virus is for your own immune system to fight off that virus. Okay. So you have a bunch of, 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 immunoglobulin and cells in your body that go attack those virus cells and kill it off. And once that happens, then we can trace in your blood, it's a blood test to see if you have antibodies that have developed against that specific virus. Those tests are rapidly being created. And so the second we have them, in fact, I think within days, you'll be able to go in and actually have a blood draw. But what's being developed right now is a, a kit where you'll walk into a clinic and put two drops of your blood from your finger on a, on a little, uh, little slide. And within 10 minutes, it will say positive or negative. Do you have the antibodies or not? Those tests are coming and we are in line. We are first in line to get them because if we could test a whole bunch of people and find out where we're on the curve, and then if we have the availability of, of literally hundreds of thousands of antibody tests, so to tell you, Don, hey, come in and we'll tell you within 10 minutes if you have antibodies, that is the pathway forward. Um, and so we're doing both. That's not available yet, but every I, I've been on the phone with multiple companies around the country that all are at the same pace. Because what they have to do is they have to get they have to get FDA approval. They have to go through all of the all of the check boxes to to have a test that's safe and reliable and approved to be used. And then the second it is, they will start manufacturing those in mass. And so we are in line for those tests right now to be able to offer that as well. Okay, so let's walk through the process uh, that's currently in place. So we will go online to crushthecurveidaho.com, I believe, and they fill out a form. 
what what happens next yeah so so there's there's so behind the scenes what happens is you'll fill out the form and it'll it'll basically say are you one of these workers and do you have any of these including possible exposure so then if you say yes it will put you into queue we now are then we are sorting people by zip codes okay so based on where you live you will get a call back um, from two different call centers we have set up one call center is run through Saltzer, which is a treasure valley and it's not just Saltzer. we will we will gladly uh, collaborate with other testing centers when we become overwhelmed and need other people tested uh, that have symptoms right that shouldn't be too too alarming for folks uh, and then the other call center is hooking people up with with the, that meet the requirements to be tested with centers around the state that are cooperating with us. So we have test centers in North Idaho, uh, in in Eastern Idaho, and the Magic Valley that have agreed to allow us to send patients to them. And and I need to be really clear: everyone that is tested is getting tested at a center that was already doing testing. Does that make sense? So we're not doing anything outside what's already been done. And it will be those medical facilities that are going to then report to the state. So it's not like we're doing these in church parking lots. It's not like we're pulling up in an old white van and sliding open the door and testing people. These are, these, are, these are testing centers that already were existing. We're doing two things for them. We're sending them patients that need to be tested. And then if they need supplies done, there's a couple of them that just say, hey, we don't have any PPE. We don't have this. We don't have that. We also have a subcommittee of crushthecurve.com, idaho.com, that is helping come, helping. Uh, communities get the, the supplies they need to do the test as well. So it sounds like a pretty straightforward process. This launched today a few hours ago. How has response been so far? Uh, uh, unbelievable. We've had like over 50,000 uh, visits to the site already. I think we've already got have several hundred people that we're, we're lining up for testing today. It's been fantastic. So um, we just need to keep getting the word out. We uh, will keep up with our processes. I've told everyone, I mean, can you imagine my team? I mean, this happens on a third. I looked at my phone when I started this at Thursday night at 947 PM and we launched it on Tuesday. And and so my team is like, I saw the tweet you sent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So, so it was like real time, but, but, but uh, so we'll have some mistakes and we'll have some missteps because it, this is this, this, even just, if you look at what Troy put together on the database and technology side of this, it should have taken six months. Uh, it didn't. We did it. Hey, who's that? Uh, well, people can't see this, but my dog just came through the frame of the camera, which I was like, "Oh, this is going to be funny." But yeah, mine's right here on the floor. It's it's the it's the beauty of uh, of technology right now. We're, yeah, we're able to see everyone's pets. Yeah, people are just going to hear the audio here, but we've got a video link so we can see each other, which makes conversation more natural. Yeah. So so, yeah. Uh, so so the last question I had was was who uh, oh, has the cost structure for this? Who's paying for it, and how does that work? You know, uh, that, that's something we haven't really worked out yet because we're just, if you think about the amount of money that people are losing and they're just like stuck, we're just running the costs on this. Uh, Courtney Lydia Ball Ventures is, it hasn't even come up. It's like, Hey, we need to, we need to wire some money to secure these tests. We need to wire some money to get some PPE. We need to, so, so at some point we'll, you know, we've got a bunch of partners that are benefiting from this. We'll figure that out. But right now it's all hands on deck. Let's get things going. And then we figure that out as we go, but it's all private, privately, privately funded, privately uh, done. Okay. I think that's, that's everything. Anything else people should know? 
Uh, the only thing I'll say is it's moving fast. So, so we will continue to get information out. And if they could just go to the website and share it with people, as long as we could get people that need to in and, and uh, be proactive about this. The other thing I'd say is I, I think this is giving people hope. I want people to know there is hope out there. Uh, there are a lot of people that are struggling, that are anxious, that are losing their business, losing their jobs, worried about health issues or a loved one. We're hoping to, 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 to let them see the pathway forward through this disease to the time when we're going to get past this. And that pathway is really lifting people. Like Don, I wish I could share. There's, there's emails I've received from people that are just saying thank you and telling me their story. And, and really their story hinged on them getting a test. If they could have gotten a test, they would have known what to do with their grandmother. Their mother. They would have known what to do with themselves. And they're just like, I've just been so paralyzed for a week. So we're hoping we instill some hope there. We're going to work closely with the state, with, with the other healthcare uh, companies. And, and we're really in this together. We don't care who gets the credit. We want to just be part of the solution to get us back to work and get through this crisis. Okay. Dr. Tommy Alquist with DVA Development and Salter Health. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Don. Have a great day.